Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. What kind of programs does this school have? How are the test scores? How many kids do a classroom? Homes.com knows these are all things you ask when you're home shopping as a parent. That's why each listing on Homes.com includes extensive reports on local schools, including photos, parent reviews, test scores, student-teacher ratio, school rankings, and more. The information is from multiple trusted sources and curated by Homes.com's dedicated in-house research team. It's also you can make the right decision for your family. Homes.com. We've done your homework. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection, and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. Welcome to Unexplained Extra, with me, Richard McLean Smith, where for the weeks in between episodes, we look at stories and ideas that for one reason or other, didn't make it into the previous show. In the last episode, Learning to See, we followed the extraordinary story of self-described psychic Peter Herkos and his questionable contribution to the Boston Strangler case. The seemingly related murders of 13 women that occurred between 1962 to 1964, most of whom were also sexually assaulted, were eventually attributed to factory worker Albert DeSalvo, who confessed to them in 1965. There were many, however, who remained convinced that DeSalvo was not the only culprit, including Peter Herkos himself, who was adamant that a man often referred to as Thomas P. O'Brien had in fact been responsible for at least some of the crimes Herkos's involvement in the case was hugely controversial, not only due to the fact that he failed to pick out DeSalvo, but also for how he influenced the investigation into O'Brien, which led many, including the Civil Liberties Union, to question whether O'Brien's rights had been violated in the process, which of course they had. Whatever you believe about the use of Herkos's supposed talents, It is hard to deny the extra layer of fascination his involvement brings to a police investigation. With that in mind, there is one case in particular that makes for intriguing listening, not least of all because it also happened to involve one of America's most curious and shocking crimes of the 20th century. The following story contains scenes of murder and sexual abuse that some may find disturbing. Parental discretion is advised. On one balmy evening in June 1947, two cars are parked up by the side of the road on the outskirts of Annapolis in Maryland. One car, an old green Chrysler, sits empty, while the other, a few yards in front, rocks back and forth, seemingly occupied by two people in the midst of an intimate embrace. Moments later, a tall, clean-shaven, dark-haired man steps out of the vehicle and into the warm summer air. His hands and clothes, 
covered in blood. The man looks to the sky and challenges God to strike him down for what he has just done. But nothing happens. Soon after, local police receive a frantic call from a sergeant home on leave. The man, breathless and in shock, explains that he and a woman he was seeing named Margaret Harold had been parked up on a back road when another car pulled up behind them. They'd watched with alarm as the driver of the vehicle approached them brandishing a gun before letting himself into the back of the car and then demanded money and cigarettes. When they refused to give them to him, he pulled Margaret's head back by her hair and shot her in the face. The sergeant had somehow managed to escape before being killed himself. When police arrive at the scene 30 minutes later, although the Chrysler has long gone, the other car remains. Inside it, they find the lifeless body of Margaret Harold, stripped of all her clothes and showing signs of post-mortem violation. With no sign of the culprit, the horrified officers fan out to search the surrounding area where they soon come across a small, grey cinder block building tucked away in the woods not far from the road. Inside, they find the walls plastered with strange and violent pornographic images alongside mortuary photos of dead women and a picture of one young woman taken from a university yearbook. The woman, Wanda Tipton, is found to have been a 1955 graduate of the University of Maryland. After being tracked down by the police, she is asked if she knows anyone that fits the description of the attacker later given to police by the sergeant. But she does not. Eighteen months later, on January 11th, 1959, A car is found abandoned by the side of the road in the Apple Grove region of central Virginia. The couple who owned it, Mildred Jackson and her husband, Carol, along with their two children, five-year-old Susan and 18-month-old Janet, are declared missing soon after. In March, 50 miles away, near the town of Fredericksburg, two men are driving on a dirt road when their vehicle gets stuck in the mud. While gathering branches to use as traction to free their car, they stumble across the decomposing body of a man in a ditch whose hands have been bound together with a necktie. The body is later identified as that of Carol Jackson, who was killed by a single shot to the back of the head. When his body is removed from the site, a second, much smaller body is discovered wedged underneath it. His 18-month-old daughter, Janet had been thrown in alive before suffocating under her father's body. Two weeks go by when two boys out hunting squirrels close to Fredericksburg find a large mound of dirt where something has clearly been buried. Curious to find out what it is, they brush away the topsoil, revealing a lock of long blonde hair. After sprinting home to inform their parents, The police are swiftly called to the scene. After digging a little further, they unearth the bodies of Mildred and five-year-old Susan. Both had been raped and brutally murdered. 
another 18 months later, and the police are yet to find the culprits to the Margaret Harold and Jackson family murders, having questioned around 1,500 people, but only managing to whittle them down to 165 potential suspects. In June 1960, Peter Herkos receives a call from a Dr. Francis Reasonman, a forensic psychiatrist based in Washington, D.C. Two of Reasonman's private patients have been included on the list of suspects, despite his conviction that they are completely innocent of the crimes. Looking for a way to clear their names, Reasonman turns to Herkos in the hope that he might be able to provide some clues that could exonerate them once and for all. Incredibly, after reaching a deal with the police, they agree to let Reasonman fly Herkos out to consult on the case. A few days later, Peter arrives in the city of Falls Church, Virginia, under a flurry of media attention. Asked for his predictions about the case, he doesn't hesitate in his answer, telling them that the murderer will be arrested in 14 days and will eventually be found to be responsible for nine murders. Peter then proceeds to draw a picture of a house, which he describes as being located about an acre and a half into the woods, with a broken chair on the porch and a box of old books inside. Once you find the house, he says, you will find the killer. The following day, Peter leads the police to the very house he had apparently seen in his vision. Not only is it exactly how he described, but it is also occupied by a 34-year-old man who just so happens to be one of their leading suspects. No sooner have they arrived when Peter leads them to a second building, a small wooden shack about 50 feet from where Mildred and Susan Jackson's bodies were discovered. Police had already searched the shack 18 months previously and found a button there from the dress Mildred was wearing when she was murdered. This time, they find an ID bracelet belonging to the 34-year-old occupant of the nearby house. During his time with police, Peter is also taken to the churchyard where the Jacksons were buried. Once there, he is given some of their clothing to handle. Moments later, he claims to have a vision of their deaths, telling the officers present the precise order in which the family members were killed, the position of their bodies when they were discovered, and the added detail that Mildred had been sexually assaulted, all of which was said to have been correct and entirely unknown to the public at the time. With investigators by then considering the possibility that the murder of Margaret Harold might be linked to the Jackson family murders, Peter is also taken to where her body was found. Seemingly taking a moment to soak up the atmosphere of the place, Peter appears to sense something important nearby. Disappearing into a bush, he calls out moments later for the police to follow him. When they find him, he is pointing at a muddy and discoloured piece of clothing. It was Margaret's skirt, left unnoticed by the investigating team for three years. The 34-year-old man in the house Peter led the police to was promptly arrested and soon after confessed to the murders. The next day, the arrest is announced in the press, with Peter warmly congratulated for his part 
in bringing the culprit to justice. Having moved house recently, the furry four-legged member of our family, Boo the cat, has sadly been forced to stay inside while he gets used to his new surroundings. And as much as we love him, living alongside the frequent stink bombs in his litter tray has been a trial to say the least. So that's why we turn to Pretty Litter. Pretty Litter is kitty litter reinvented. Unlike traditional litter, Pretty Litter's super light crystals trap odour and release moisture, resulting in dry, low-maintenance litter that crucially doesn't smell. Pretty Litter arrives safely at your door in a small, lightweight bag that lasts up to a month, and shipping is free. But above all else, here's why Pretty Litter is a pet parent's hero. It's a health indicator. Pretty Litter monitors my cat's health by actually changing colours when it detects potential underlying issues. Get the world's smartest litter without leaving home by visiting prettylitter.com and use promo code UNEXPLAINED for 20% off your first order. That's prettylitter.com. Promo code UNEXPLAINED for 20% off. prettylitter.com. Promo code UNEXPLAINED. Not long after news of the arrest hits the papers, a distressed man named Glenn Moser walks into his local police station, claiming to have some vital information regarding the Jackson murders. The year before, he'd written to police anonymously, suggesting they look into his friend, Melvin David Reese as a possible suspect. The 26-year-old Reese was a touring jazz musician. Reese and Moser had become close friends in the years since, and would regularly stay up late, getting drunk, and discussing all sorts of ideas together. When Moser first read about the Jackson murders, with a chill, he'd been instantly reminded of a conversation he and Reese had had the night before they disappeared. That night, Reese had been high on benzedrine and shooting his mouth off about how he craved to have every experience, from love to death, and how you couldn't say it was wrong to kill as such only that it was wrong in the sense that individual standards dictated it to be. As Moser went on to reveal, he and Reese had also been staying in the vicinity of Annapolis the night Margaret Harold was murdered. In his letter, Moser had given the police an address where they could find Reese and arrest him. However, by the time they got there, he'd already left the property to go back out on the road Though efforts were made to track him down, no one appeared to know anything about his whereabouts. After digging a little further into his past, investigators discovered that he'd once been a student at the University of Maryland, but had dropped out after a year to pursue music. He'd also once dated Wanda Tipton, the woman whose yearbook photo was found in the Breeze Block building, not far from where Margaret Harold had been murdered. Moser was coming to the police now because he just received a letter from Reese giving the address he was now living at in Hyattsville, Arkansas, close to where he was working as a piano salesman. Prior to Peter's involvement in the case, police had already begun to think about Reese as a leading suspect, but had written him off after the confession of the man they now had in custody. However, with good reason to follow it up, the police head out to the address given to them by Glenn Moser. 
While conducting a search of the address, the police come across an empty saxophone case. Opening it up, they find inside a .38 handgun, identical to the weapon used in both the Harold and Jackson murders, as well as a series of dark and disturbing notes written by Reese. On one note, clipped to a newspaper picture of Mildred Jackson, is written, Drove to select area and killed husband and baby. Now the mother and daughter were all mine. It went on, tied and gagged, then led her to the place of execution and hung her. I was her master. Clearly, the police had arrested the wrong man. After releasing the 34-year-old, police promptly arrest Melvin Reese, who confesses soon after to the murders of Margaret Harold and the Jackson family. When the story breaks, the papers are quick to turn on Peter Hercos, brandishing his involvement in the case as a madness of crystal ball justice that has no place in the criminal justice system. There did, however, remain some interesting details. Although Hercos's tips led police to the wrong man, it was determined later that Reese had also once lived at the property that the 34-year-old man was living when police arrested him. Reese was also arrested precisely 14 days after Peter arrived, just as he had predicted. Then, shortly after his arrest, Reese also confessed to the murder of two girls, 16-year-old Mary Chomet and 14-year-old Anne Ryan, taking the number of people he murdered to seven. 18-year-old Mary Fellers and 16-year-old Shelby Venable, who were also murdered around the same time, are also heavily suspected as being victims of Melvin Reese, which would take the total to nine, also just as Peter predicted. This extra episode concludes Season 5 of Unexplained. I just want to take this opportunity to thank all you amazing listeners so much for your continued support and for taking the time to listen to the show. Unexplained will return with Season 6 on Friday, September 3rd with ever more bizarre and terrifying stories of the strange and unexplained. Until then, this is goodbye for now. If you enjoy Unexplained and would like to help support us, you can now do so via Patreon. To receive access to ad-free episodes, just go to patreon.com forward slash unexplainedpod to sign up. Or if you'd like to make a one-time donation, you can go to unexplainedpodcast.com forward slash support. All donations, no matter how large or small, are greatly appreciated. Unexplained, the book and audiobook, featuring 10 stories that have never before been covered on the show, is now available to buy worldwide. You can purchase through Amazon, Barnes & Noble and Waterstones, among other bookstores. All elements of Unexplained, including the show's music, are produced by me, Richard McLean-Smith. Please subscribe and rate the show wherever you listen to podcasts, and feel free to get in touch with any thoughts or ideas regarding the stories you've heard on the show. Perhaps you have an explanation of your own you'd like to share. You can reach us online at unexplainedpodcast.com or Twitter at unexplainedpod 
and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash unexplained podcast. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.